Welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Schmitz, joined by my co-host, Mike Schmitz. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing great as well. Today we're discussing the power of words and going to share our yearly habit of selecting words for the year. We have actually covered in episode 15 in depth the power of words and why they're so important. So if you want to go back and take a listen, we welcome you to do that. And today we're going to continue that topic with a little bit different framework because words frame our world, they create our identity and set our course. And then at the end, we're going to share kind of the process that we used to select our words for the year, share what those are and what they mean to us to give you some examples for setting a theme or a course for 2021 for yourself or for your family. Yep. So... A few things we want to go through, first of all, is words frame our world. And one of my favorite verses regarding this is Luke 6, 45. It's the same with people. A person full of goodness in his heart produces good things. A person with an evil reservoir in his heart pours out evil things. The heart overflows in the words of a person that they speak. Your words reveal what's within your heart. So another way to say that is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yep. Or another way to say it would be garbage in, garbage out. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Because what you're feeding on is what determines what is inside and then eventually what's inside is going to come outside. What you do in private will be seen in public. I think Ed Cole said it this way, that private practice precedes public performance. So if you want to be able to perform in public, whatever that means for you, that could just be being consistent with the character that you are professing to have, you have to be practicing that day by day, play by play, as our pastor says. Yeah. And I would say the practice is with yourself too. If you find yourself that you want to be more patient and loving towards others, you have to be more patient and loving towards yourself and not beating yourself up with imperfections or just, why can't I ever get this? Yeah. And also choosing what you're going to allow to speak into your life. All of those TV shows, even podcasts, you know, they have an impact on you. Those are voices that you're allowing to speak into your life. And so if you're constantly listening to things and you think, well, it's not affecting me, it is affecting you. Maybe you don't see it yet, but it is eventually going to come out. Yep. It's crucial that we fill ourselves with positive things and not just useless things or useless information all the time. That doesn't mean we can't ever watch that funny show or whatever, but that shouldn't be the majority of what we're consuming because... What's inside of us will eventually come out, good or bad. Yep. And what comes out of us, back to your original point, is what actually frames our world. There is power in your words. They are constructive or destructive. You get to choose. And based on whether you've been feeding on positive or negative things, that'll make the difference there. Yes. And one of our favorite sayings from our pastor is, what's your dominant thought? He asks this question all the time because that is a great indicator of what we're filling ourselves with. What is coming out of us? What are we thinking about most of the time? Because what we're thinking about most of the time is what's in us. Yep. I think when it comes to your thought life, I know I've dealt with this where you can feel guilty for thinking of the things that you know are wrong. And the trick here, which brought freedom to me, so I'll share it here, is that You can't control necessarily whether those thoughts come and go, but you can control whether you entertain them. Yep. So they can pop into your head for a second, but Mm -hmm. it's the second second when you choose to leave it there for a while and to meditate on it, that's when you're getting in the wrong. So 
you want to make a quick judgment of those thoughts and not just blindly go about, well, this is, you know, I have no control over this. You do. You just got to pay attention. Yeah, it's what you do with it. Are you going to meditate on that negative thought over and over or something that's destructive? It's kind of the same thing as when you see something that is like, I do not want to see this. This is not good for me. Do you keep looking at it or do you quickly look away? You can't control the first look. Yep. You can't control that person that walks in front of you and you're like, wow, I wish I didn't see that. <laughs> but you can control if you keep staring. Yep. So it's basically the same thing, whether it's your thoughts or something that you see. Yep, exactly. And uh, what you want to do is you want to direct your attention to the things that are positive. This is why meditation is so powerful. I was very apprehensive about the topic of meditation for a very long time until I realized that not all meditation is super spiritual. It's really just training your brain. When you get a thought that you know isn't the right thought, you just dismiss it and then you bring it back to where it's supposed to be focused on. Mm -hmm. And so you can choose for yourself what your essential focus is. Ours is influenced largely by our Christian faith. Yeah. But that is a valuable skill to have, to recognize that this isn't something I want to be paying attention to and then course correct in the moment and get back on the right track. Mm -hmm. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That's from Philippians 4.8. And that's just a picture of having a center of focus that we always redirect to. Because what is, we can judge ourselves. Like what is coming out of my mouth regarding myself? How do I talk about myself? How do I mm -hmm. talk about my husband? How do I talk about the world around me or my children? What is coming out of me? Because you could speak to, maybe there's a negative thing happening and you could just speak that and complain and nag. You know, one of the Proverbs talks about how a nagging wife is like a dripping faucet. Yeah, it's not better good. to live in the corner of the roof than share a house with a <laughs> nagging wife, I think is what it says. Yeah, but we can judge ourselves. Or nagging husband. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> what's coming out of us about those around us? Because that, are we framing our world in a negative or a positive light? Because what we are saying today will directly affect tomorrow. Yep, Exactly. Uh, that sets our direction. Um, the other thing that we've got here, or the next thing we've got here, is that words create our identity. Yeah, this is a big deal. Yep. So the things that you say determine who you will become. Mm -hmm. This maybe doesn't seem like it would work, but it does. It does. <laughs> yep. So one example here is that you have to identify with the person that you want to become. And so for me, I've shared before, so I'll keep it short, but I had to identify as a runner before I was really motivated to go run consistently. Same thing with writing. I had to identify myself as a writer before I showed up every day and wrote. And then you do that long enough. Every single time you show up, you're casting a vote for the type of person that you want to become eventually you win the election in your own mind and you start to believe, yes, I am a runner. Yeah. Yes, I am a writer. Yeah, and what that becomes ingrained inside of us and it changes our identity and it determines our behavior. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about habits and rituals and how they're much more powerful and effective than just 
making goals because habits and rituals that we do regularly actually change our behavior, change our identity. And so one example for me I can think of that just just came to mind, this is actually really powerful. I identify myself as a good mom. Like I am was created to mother my five children. I have everything it takes. I know I have the answer on my lips for them. I can handle anything and everything that they face because I believe that God gave them to us as gifts. Mm-hmm. And there's no one more equipped to handle and raise them right as my husband and myself. You can hear that and maybe say, wow, that's kind of like, I wish I could say that about myself as a mom or a dad. Okay, so let me back up and just tell a brief story. I remember shortly after I had my first son, or maybe it was after I had my second son, I heard that I have an aunt that told my sister-in-law, wow, I can't believe Rachel's a mom or even a good mom, like you said. Like, I never pictured her as that. And it was one of those moments where you're like, first of all, why are you even telling me this? Mm -hmm. Second of all, I had to judge it and say, does that affect how I feel about myself? Does that affect how I see myself? Mm -hmm. And I made the judgment that no, what her words are not going to affect me because that could have really, simple words like that could really affect us. But I had to choose to judge it and say no. And they will affect you unless you have a stronger internal word that you can combat that with. So words will either influence you from the outside in or from the inside out. Yep. And that's really what we're talking about in the last half of this episode is getting our own words and determining who we are, where we're going as individuals and as a family. Uh, But that is a great example how if you are just floating through life, an external word like that from somebody... It can crush you. It can. Yeah, it can completely crush you. So your best defense is to understand who you want to be and to identify with that person. It has to come from the inside. Yeah, You know, the, the habits and the routines, those have to be built on your vision and your values. If you don't have any sort of vision or any sort of values then the habits and the routines lose their meaning. Yeah, there's no building blocks. There's no foundation. They're, they're purposeless. Yeah. It's like, why am I doing this? Because somebody told Sounds me it would good, be good for me to do this. This person does this and I like them. <laughs> yeah, that's not enough to make it It's stick. not sustainable. Exactly. No. There are other examples that I won't go into that uh, something someone said really did mess with me. And it took a lot of undoing for me to get back to who I really am supposed to be. And I'm sure we all have those. But like Mike said, when we have a stronger identity, a stronger word, a stronger description or picture of ourselves on the inside, then those outside negative voices won't stick because we'll be stronger on the inside than the outside and it won't seep in. Yeah, and this is why it's so important that you build this into your kids. Yes. Because they're going to go to school and kids are jerks, let me tell you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they're going to hear the entire time they're there, you're stupid, you're fat, you're this, that, and the other thing. And it doesn't matter what school they go to, what sports team, it's everywhere. Yep, so you can't just assume, oh, well, they know that I love them and they know that I think that they're really good at this and they're really smart. They need to hear you say that. They need to hear you say that more than they are hearing it from the other people who are trying to tear them down oh, yeah. because that's going to help them. That Meaning that the people who are tearing your kids down, 
they are doing that because they don't feel secure about themselves. And so they're trying to make everybody else feel less. And that's not just kids, that's mm-hmm. adults too, right. but schools specifically. Yep. So you have to build them up and you have to build them up more at home than they are going to be torn down during the day at school. It has to be a stronger force. And when you think about it, if you're at school eight hours of the day, I mean, with all of the craziness before all the COVID stuff happened, I think this is actually a blessing in disguise for a lot of families to just yeah, reset all the together. expectations and the mm-hmm. commitments and figure out how you're going to do things together. Because we... I think we've eaten probably every meal together since March. It's yeah. kind of crazy. And we've tried to do that before, but maybe it was like 35, 40% of the time we were able right. to do it. Now we have that consistent time to sew into them and to build them up. And when we go back to normal, as we talked about in the last episode, we can't lose those opportunities to build each other up. Right. And it it is very, very important that we mold, frame our children's identity And they know when we're being fake. So Mm -hmm. we really have to have a handle on who they are and who we are so we can affirm in a way that's very authentic because kids are very discerning. Yep. We can't fake it. Exactly. (laughs) And even when we get frustrated with them and when they're misbehaving, we have to... We have to curb every negative word we would say to them Mm -hmm. because if we start calling them names out of frustration... Maybe if it's even a cute name, like I've heard people <laughs> calling their kids monkeys and stuff. But when that's done in a way that's negative and you're trying to call them that or name them that, then that does affect their identity. It does. And it's a yeah. bigger deal than what we we even know. Right. And highlighting their good behavior is very important. We can deal with the bad behavior quickly, but then very, very, just as quickly <laughs> mm-hmm. redirect them back to our love for them, our affirmation of them, reinforce them with encouragement. Um, Actually, one of my favorite things that our pastors do, they're so good at talking to us. They do what they call the love sandwich, where (laughs) they affirm you, love on you, tell you the hard confrontational thing, like you need to fix this. And Mm -hmm. then they wrap it up with more love. So the love on either side is like the bread. And then the meat on the inside is like the hard stuff that they have to confront you with. And that's a good yep. strategy to use with our children as well. Yeah, it is. And our third section here we want to touch on is that word set our course. We kind of talked about this already. Uh, good in, good out, bad in, bad out. You know, you have to put in the right things and then you'll get the right results. I did a webinar yesterday on systems and I taught about how everything in your life is a system and a system has three parts an input a process and an output real brief example of this like if you got a workout plan off the internet that would be your input the process would be you actually going and lifting the weights the output is you losing the weight building the muscle whatever you can't just have the goal the workout plan you have to actually do it yes yes exactly (laughs) So when you understand that system, create more good inputs, you'll get more good outputs. Mm-hmm. Creativity even is a system. I know I read a book, Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. That was really the thing that allowed me to be creative. Before that, I didn't think I was creative. And in that book, the thing that kind of set me free was that he said, when you create something, really all you're doing is you're connecting dots in a way that hasn't been done before. And at that point, I was like, oh, creativity even is a system. It's a formula. 
You just put in better dots and they'll get connected in whatever way that your brain's going to connect them. And the output is what it is. And I don't have to judge the output anymore. I just have to recognize that, oh, this is the output I got. So if I want to change the output, I just change the inputs. Yeah. And if we're not sure, like, how do I speak better? Well, maybe a, a good reflection time would be, where do I want to go? Where do I want to see my children? How do I want to see my children grow or my family life, et cetera? And then once you identify that, like that picture out there that you want to see, then you might be able to backtrack a little easier and say, what do I need to be putting in me so that that can get in me and start coming out of me? Yes. So another example of an identity thing, kind of tying these two together is I wanted to read more. So I cut out all social media. My daughter was was my fifth child, was four months old at the time. And I read 24 books that year when she was a baby. Nice job. Homeschooling the four boys. So (laughs) I don't say that to toot my own horn. I say that to say I wanted to read more. So I identified what bad behavior I could cut out or maybe not. You couldn't even say bad really, but just like not beneficial. (laughs) Yeah. And then I was, I'm a reader. That's what I do. And I have time to read and I love to read and I make time to read. Right. That's a great example of a system, you know, scrolling through your social media feed and that not producing the results (laughs) that you want, which if anyone is going to take stock of their own systems right now, I challenge you to look at that one specifically and ask yourself, what kind of output, what kind of fruit am I getting from this doom scrolling activity? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Like how, how do I feel after I stop? Yep. I don't care if you are Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, what your sources are. It is doom scrolling and it will affect you negatively. Yes. Yes. And if you haven't done the work to put all the good stuff in you that you want to put in, then that will directly affect your words, directly affect the rest of your day, your next day, if you don't get a hold of it. So it is very, very important. And if there's a habit that you want, if you want to exercise more or read more or read your Bible more or pray more, whatever it is, if you cut out social media, wow, all of a sudden you find this time. It's amazing. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about that next time is uh, the whole concept of making time. Yeah. Because that is something that is very important. A lot of people don't realize how much time they actually have. That's true. Um, A little bit of self-talk I want to touch on here because being a perfectionist, I can really beat myself up. And I don't necessarily say it with words coming out of my mouth, but oh, those negative thoughts sure do roll around in my head. And it's a this negative cycle of me just saying, why can't you get this? Why can't you eat right? Why can't you work out regularly? Whatever it may be. And that is not doing any good. Nope. And so we have to be kind to ourselves and stop beating ourselves up. Uh, our words are so important. And like I said, like we've said so many times, what's in us does come out. Yep. Blaise Pascal says, kind words do not cost much yet they accomplish much. Yes, they do. So maybe this is a good spot to switch over and talk about our words for the year. Yeah, so our words for the year, I would like you, Mike, to explain how this started and why we're doing it. Um, We basically each choose our own words for the year, and I'll let you take it away and explain it more in detail. Well, this is a mashup of a lot of different things (laughs) that I have seen. Uh, I basically pick two words for the year, which are kind of like themes. 
So there are people who will just select a yearly theme. Mike Hurley and CGP Grey do this on the Cortex podcast, and they have a whole system built on this theme where you've got the theme, and that kind of directs all of the activities. Uh, I don't like that 100%. Uh, the other approach that I've seen is people picking like several words for the year. And same idea, every activity, project, whatever, throughout the year is going to be filtered through these words. And I don't like having a bunch of words either. What I like to do is pick a couple of words that are kind of linked together. And these are not going to be directed with a specific outcome. They are just going to be kind of generic words that can take a lot of different meanings, but mean something specific to me. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. And so at the end of the year, I spend some time thinking and praying about what is the next year going to look like. I'm not setting goals. I'm not making New Year's resolutions. And those, by the way, are pretty much guaranteed to fail. <laughs> Even the goals, uh, goals are great, but without any sort of structure, the habits and the routines, they're not going to stick, kind of like we, we talked about. Um, a lot of people have goals that they're going to you know, do something. Like the, a lot of professional sports teams have a goal that they're going to win the championship this year. Only one of them does. So <laughs> they the goals, all have that goal, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which is why just having the goal really isn't enough and why I don't like tying these goals specifically to these words for the year. I will set goals when I do like my quarterly planning process as part of my personal retreat stuff. But these words are kind of overall encompassing for the entire year. So last year, my words were rest and relationships because I was feeling a little bit burnt out and I knew I needed to figure out a way to get a little bit more margin. And then in March, I got a whole bunch of margin. <laughs> uh, and then the relationships piece, uh, specifically, that was we wanted to start doing those kibbutzes and having people over to our house more regularly, which we had been doing until everything got shut down. So that one I felt was a little bit uh, unfinished. Do you want me to go into sharing my words right now or, sh or do you want to share yours first? You can share yours. That's fine. Okay. So that one I felt was a little bit unfinished and that kind of led to a different version of that word for this year. So this year, my words are community and commitment. And actually, they're both kind of related to the words from last year. What this means to me for community I want to build relationships in the communities that I'm involved with, both in real life and digitally. I'm a part of different communities online, and I want to be able to build those communities intentionally, serve those people in an authentic way, not in a superficial way, just like checking the box there, I posted something, because there's a lot of that. I want the communities that I build to be strong, stronger than the, more than they are high in, in member count. You know, I don't want a bunch of people. I want the people that are there to really feel like they're getting a lot out of being in that community. It really hits the mark for them. It's really serving them well. Um, and then commitment. I think that last year we kind of had a big reset and everything got dumped out and we got to choose how we were going to re-engage with certain things. And I feel like we still have that ability. 
Yeah. Uh, we haven't just like flipped the switch and gone back to the way things were. And there really hasn't been pressure to do that with like the extracurricular sports stuff for the kids, for example. I'm really not in a hurry to get back into that. They, I mean, it was cool when we were doing it, but we noticed throughout the last year that it really wasn't as important as we thought it was. And the stuff that yeah. is important, we're figuring out different ways to do it. Right. So commitment then for me means that I eliminate everything that is non-essential. So the things that we were just doing because everybody else does them, and now we realize maybe those weren't so important, not just rushing in as soon as we can to go back to doing those things. Mm -hmm. But the things that we know are really hitting the mark, double down on those things. Yeah, absolutely. My words this year are freedom and fullness. And again, I also took some time to think and pray about the coming year back in December and determine what would hit the mark for me. And it's one of those things where as soon as I landed, and it didn't take long, but as soon as I landed on those words, it just made me so happy. And I smile every time I talk about it or say even just say the words. Because freedom for me means a lot. But the biggest thing is that I am free from needing people's approval. I am one of those that's uh, recovering from approval addiction. <laughs> and I am in this place of freedom where I do what's right for my life because I'm free to be who I really am. Not to please anyone else around me, not because of any external pressures or expectations put upon me, but it's because I'm so comfortable in who I am that I am free to follow through and do those things that build me up and will just increase me as a person and help me be more effective to those around me. Awesome. And in that freedom, I also have fullness because when we're really free in who we are and we settle into our calling in life and what our life is like and we're not always trying to look for something else, then we can be full in that free life. And so I fill myself up, as we've talked about a lot in this podcast, with the good things, what's best for my life to get me to where I want to be. And I'll just share the scripture that I have. I have a scripture that goes with freedom and fullness for my life this year. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have that veil been removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And that's 2 Corinthians three seventeen through 18. And so for me, it's a big deal. This year is very exciting for me that no matter what's going on in the world, no matter how chaotic and crazy it looks, that I live in freedom and I live a full life and I have an answer for those around me. I have an answer for everything that I face. That's good. Uh, your words for the year, by the way, they can also evolve as you yeah, go. Yeah, for sure. Like I actually got community and commitment towards the end of December. And then as we record this, um, this week we were part of a panel for our midweek service and we were supposed to share on what does a church, a family, a person, mm -hmm. a nation that has gone back to God, what does that look like? And as I was praying about that and studying for that, the word that came to me was selfless. And I realized mm -hmm. that these two words, community and commitment, the thing that ties these together is selfless 
love because love is selfless. Love is yeah. the desire to benefit the other at the expense of self, mm-hmm. whereas lust looks to get. It is the desire to benefit self at the expense of others. You don't care yeah. what happens to anybody else. You're just going to get what you want. And when it comes to communities and the things that I am committing to, I'm realizing that the underlying theme here is that sense of love and benefiting other people. Like there are a lot of communities, especially on the internet, where they are very toxic. Yeah. And I want my communities that I am going to participate in not to be like that at all. Uh, John thirteen thirty five is the verse that came to me as I was studying this out. It says that they will know that we are Christians by our love. Yeah. It's got to be evidenced that mm-hmm. I prefer other people, even though I don't naturally. <laughs> Spiritually, I do because that's who I really am. Right. And that's the thing that is going to be driving these two words. And so I had these words and that was great. Like that would have provided some direction. But as I sat and meditated on these and studied these out some more, I got more definition to it and it creates mm-hmm. more motivation to follow through on those things that I say are important to me for this year. Yeah. And it, as we've done this with our words for the year, that really is how it happens. It evolves over the year. And one of the big benefits is it helps give a guideline for how we fill our calendar, mm-hmm. what we commit to being a part of, which you did touch on. But it does give clarity and it does help frame our world, it frames our year in such a way that we know what our purpose is and it just really helps filter out the clutter. Yeah. And these are actually, I believe, like a bookend to the core values. Yeah. So they're, if your words for the year are against your core values, as we talked about in a different episode, that's not going to work. They have to be in alignment. You don't have the right values if your words don't line up. So go back there, figure those out first. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were true when you made them and they've changed. That happens sometimes. Yep. But really make sure that you resonate with those and then figure out your words for the year. And then from there, you figure out the goals and the projects that you're going to do. And all of them have to line up with where you are going to go. These are all different versions of words which are directing your course and your path for the year. Yeah, absolutely. And this has been really, really fulfilling to be doing the last several years. It's been just, I don't know, it's hard to describe how powerful it really is. It really does center our focus on what it should be, what we should be doing or not doing. Yep. We hope that you are inspired by this conversation today to choose some words for the year, even though you know we're already into January, that doesn't matter, that will inspire you to create the life and identity that you want. Thanks for listening to the Intentional Family Podcast. You can be found at intentionalfamily.fm. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally. Intentionally.